Hello fellow story champions, my name is Simon Brooks. Welcome to Lindy Line, a story podcast. Here you will find old stories, some written by the likes of Kipling and Robert Louis Stevenson. Ancient folk and fairy tales retold for a modern audience of families and original short stories I have penned myself. I'll be retelling some of the classic folk and fairy tales and some of the stories you may not be familiar with. I'll be taking you around the world with these tales and there may be some history too. You never know. Are you comfortable? Then sit back and listen. Once, when all creatures could understand one another, and the realm of magic was apparent as the clouds in the sky, and the fae were still seen sprinkling fairy dust into the eyes of those who were to see them. In those long-ago times, there were stories. Are you comfortable? Then sit back and listen. Hello. How are you? It's spring. Although, there are still... Even in April, huge piles of snow in places, on the lawn and in the woods for sure. I want to share with you today something that happened to me a long time ago when I lived and worked in England. I lived in a small village called Burley in the New Forest on the south coast. It's called the New Forest because it was made a royal forest by William the Conqueror in 1066. Yeah, that's not so new, is it? But it was at the time, and the name remains. Burley is on the eastern side of the forest, and wild ponies wander through the village and the trees. Deer are common in the woods too. The ponies, although cute, can be dangerous. I have sat eating a picnic with friends on the village green, with many tourists doing the same thing, with ponies eating grass around us. But then the ponies start to move and trot and gather together and suddenly there's a herd of wild ponies stampeding through people. That's when you jump up quickly and stand next to or behind a tree. I would often take long walks into the woods during the day. I worked mornings and evenings and had the afternoons off. And this happened after a good rainfall the night before. I took off as soon as I had finished all my morning jobs, with a backpack and my camera. The day was overcast, but warming up. I was going to head over to Rook's Bridge, about a half-hour walk through the forest. Hundreds of crows lived there. It was a magical place. The warmth of the day was causing mist to rise as I was getting closer, and coming in between the trees, I had to leap across a stream. This was before I got to Mill Lawn Brook. The water was high in the stream, and it stood at the same level as the grass, a silver streak in the green, if you will. I heard thunder, or what I thought was thunder. Then I realised that it was something else. The sound got louder and louder, but I couldn't see anything through the mist, only dark shadows of trees silhouetted, I could see about twenty feet in front of me, but really no more. Then bursting from between the trees, through the fog, I saw a stag, a buck deer with a huge rack of antlers, shaking its head, charging forward. It leapt over the same stream which wound its way between us. And then another and another deer came out of the woods. A huge herd of deer followed. The thunder was interrupted as their hooves left the ground, jumping over the brook. The herd spread wider, 
as more came through the trees, and they got closer to me. One peeled away from the others and looked at me. I stood mesmerised as we stared at each other. It raised its head and snorted, and then joined the other deer and vanished back into the mist with the others. The last one took off over the stream, and as it disappeared from view, I listened to the sound of the thundering hooves get quieter and quieter, until the only sound was that of water in the brook. There are all sorts of magical things that can happen in forests. There are all sorts of magical things that can happen in life. I'm going to tell you a story from Ireland. This story is one that I've known for a very long time. It's one that I heard in my childhood. There are many different versions of it. Some have unicorns in the story, instead of, well, wait and see. Once upon a time, there was a woodcutter. His name was David, and his wife, well, her name was Deirdre. And Deirdre and David, they lived together in a small cottage with David's parents. Now, David's da, his father, well, he was getting on, and his hands were riddled with arthritis, so the tools that he used to use for work weren't able to be handled properly anymore. And David's ma, well, she had lost her eyesight a long time ago. So the work she used to do, well, she couldn't do that anymore either. So David and Deirdre, they supported David's parents. And they lived together in this wonderful little cottage on the side of a hill. One day when he was out, after a huge storm, which made it easier for David to work because some of the dead wood had been knocked off the trees and he would collect that. He was sitting on one of the fallen trees at lunchtime. He was about to have something to eat when something caught his eye just off to one side. At first he thought it was a rabbit or something that was hiding under a bush. The bush was shaking slightly and this hawk dove down out of the sky, its wings tucked in and flew directly towards the bush, screeched and then took off up into the sky. Then from under the bush came not a rabbit or a squirrel, but a wee gentleman, one of the fae, one of the fairy folk. He ran across the clearing where David sat. David stood amazed. He saw the hawk diving back down, so he grabbed his axe and waved it above his head in the air and screeched at the bird, making it take off once more, fly away. And he turned to see the wee man jump over a stream and land on the other side. But his foot got caught in a rotten piece of wood when he landed. And he stood there trying to pull his foot out, but it was caught tight. Once more, the bird dove down. It was going to take this wee gentleman off and feed him to his chicks. So David also leapt over the stream, once more waving the axe above his head, and saved the wee gentleman from the bird. David stared at the little man as he tried to pull his foot out from the wood. And the wee gent looked up at David and said, What are you going to stand there looking at me all day? Are you going to help me? Oh, I I I'm sorry. David rose the axe above his head and brought it down into the log. He then twisted it, making the, the, the split where the wee gent had his foot widen. And the little man was able to remove his foot. Um, would you like to join me for lunch? said David. Ah, that would be nice. 
and so the two of them went over to the log, and they sat down, and David shared his lunch with the wee gent, but he couldn't stop staring at him. This made the wee gentleman a little bit uncomfortable. What are you staring at me for? Have you never seen the likes of me? No, 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 I haven't. I've, I've never seen one of the wee folks before. Now, do I get three wishes or something? Three wishes? Oh, it's not like you saved me life. All you did was get me foot out of the wood. Oh, I see how it is now. Well, would I get one wish? Have you got anything to put it in? David reached into the pocket of his waistcoat and he pulled out a tinderbox. Inside the tinderbox there was a flint and stone, and there was some kindling in there. You would use the flint and stone to start a fire if you needed it. People didn't have matches or lighters back in those days. David held out the box, removing the stone and the flint, leaving just the, the tinder in there. Will this do? Ah, that'll work fine. And the wee gentleman reached into his pocket and pulled out a wish, holding it in the palm of his hand. It stood there, sat there, quivering and shimmering. It was like a thousand stars sewn together with a gossamer thread. It was one of the most beautiful things that David had ever seen. Wow! Wow! Now don't be wishing for anything silly. Don't be wishing for gold or riches or anything like that. Because, you know, people will find out and then they'll come and look for you. And then, you know, that's never a good thing at all. Wow, okay, I'll... David looked up to thank the wee gentleman, but he'd vanished. And so David took one more look at this wish and closed the tinderbox, put it in his pocket. He was so excited that he packed up his tools, took what wood he had, and made his way back home. Deirdre, Deirdre, he called out. Deirdre, I, I found a wish. I've got a wish. What are you talking about? I've got a wish. And David told Deirdre all about the wee gentleman, saving it from the hawk, sharing his lunch. And Deirdre looked at him. Are you, are you all right in the head? Have you lost your marbles or something? No, no, no. Look, look. David opened up the tinderbox. And there it was. A thousand stars sewn together by a gossamer thread. Oh, David, it's beautiful. What should we wish for? David smiled at her. He knew that what he wanted to wish for. He and Deirdre had been trying to have a child for a long time and they hadn't been successful. When Deirdre looked in his eyes, she knew what he was thinking. We could wish for a child, she said. That's what I was thinking too. What's all this wishing about a child? David's ma came into the room. What's all this about a wish? What's all this about a child? David told her. He described the wish to her. Oh, David, you, you can't wish for a child when I can't see. Wish for my eyesight back. But, Mother, what if we can't? You'll have a child. You're still young. It'll happen to you when, when the time's right. But you can't have a baby without me being able to see it. Wish for my eyes back. What's all this about a wish? What nonsense is this? David's dar came in, and so they told him what had happened. He looked at the wish, shimmering there in the tinderbox. Oh, that's beautiful. No, 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 your mother's right. You can't be wishing for a child. You are young enough. You'll have a child yet. But your mother's not right in, in wishing for her eyesight back. Now what you want to wish for is gold, 
You see, the gold will pay for a doctor to fix your mother's eyes. And this house, the house has nearly fallen apart. Look at the, the cracks in the walls. The child will die in the first winter. We need to do something with the house. You should wish for gold. No, no, no. What if the doctor can't heal me? Wish for my eyesight back. Uh, what if we can't have a baby? We, we should wish for a baby. Well, everybody started to argue. A baby, the gold, eyesight. David couldn't stand it anymore. He closed the tinderbox, put it in his pocket and left the house. He walked up the hill and sat looking at the sky. By now the sun was beginning to set. The clouds that were scudding across began to change shape in the wind. The sunlight, getting lower and lower, threw different oranges and yellows and reds upon the clouds. And then this one cloud changed its shape. An orange light shone upon it. And a bird cried out. And with its cry... He had an idea. He closed up the tinderbox. He made his way back down to the house. He walked in. They were still arguing. Now be quiet, he said. Be quiet, I've got an idea. Are you going to wish for a baby? Are you going to wish for me eyes? Are you going to wish for gold? No, be quiet now. I have to do this right. He opened up the tinderbox. And there it was. A thousand stars sewn together with a gossamer thread. I wish that my mother could see our happy, healthy child crying in a crib made of gold. And with that, the wish flared up and then vanished. Over the next nine months, Deirdre's belly grew larger as she became pregnant with a child. And over those nine months, David's ma, her eyesight started to come back. And when the baby was born, well, a golden crib miraculously appeared at the foot of the bed. So, David, with a bit of imagination and a very good choice of words, made three wishes from one. The end. Oh, I do like that story. A colleague and friend of mine over in Ireland tells that story too, Liz Weir. If you ever see her name near you, go and hear her tell stories. She's incredible. What would you do if you were given a wish? Just the one, not three. What would you wish for? As the wee gent said in the story, be careful what you wish for. And if you have read Kate de Camelo's The Tale of Despero, then you'll know that choices always have consequences. Sometimes those consequences can be good, but sometimes they can backfire on you and turn out, well, not so good. If you do wish, how do you think you could make it happen? Sometimes wishes don't come true. You have to work at something. What would you have to do to make that wish happen? Make a list of the things that you would need to do and of the steps that it would take and see if you can make that wish a reality. Anyway, I need to pop off and take Mo for a walk. It's a horrible day, but it was worse yesterday, and we didn't go out yesterday, so she really needs a walk today, to be sure. Well, be well, stay safe out there, and I hope to be back soon. See you.
Well, thanks for listening to Lindy Line, a story podcast. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. By simply subscribing and telling your friends about this podcast will help. But also, please leave a review on Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to this, as it helps others find these stories. Most podcasts have advertisers. We don't. If you want to drop a price of a dog biscuit for Mo and the cost of a cup of tea for me, that would be lovely. It's hungry work in the woods. You can also become a patron and pay as little as $1 to as much as you think it was worth. If you become a Patreon patron at www.patreon.com forward slash Simon Brooks, you get extra resources and outtakes. You might even see a photo or two of Mo, my wonderful rescue dog, and photographs of our adventures together. Hashtag in the woods with Mo. Once, when all creatures could understand one another, and the realm of magic was as apparent as the swords worn, there were stories. I hope you enjoyed today's story. This is where my telling ends. <laughs>